Hello? And I'm not into that. But I'm a hopeless romantic. I am the worst homosexual. But, like, just know that. The most viral gay podcast to ever exist across the world, because those don't exist. Welcome back, motherfuckers, to another episode of The Whole Whole Pod with me, your host, your queer, your homosexual, your lover, your big cock, big ass, wide-hipped, fucking huge stomach, motherfucking asshole, me, Brian Langren. Welcome back. I'm so happy that you could be here. Thank you so much for coming back. I appreciate your uh, commitment, your dedication, your love and support for a dirty asshole. I hope you're trying some new sex tips out there. I would love to hear them from you. Maybe I'll give you a nice little blowjob tip later in the day. Definitely not today. Not feeling up for it, but it's okay. I'm gay. Y'all, this weekend was Mabuthang's five-year college reunion up in New Hampshire. Let me fucking tell you what a fever dream New Hampshire is. Like... So we were up in Manchester, New Hampshire, Manch Vegas, as these fuckers call it. University College, whatever it is, is gorgeous, okay? Gorgeous grounds, gorgeous life, gorgeous buildings, gorgeous people. The bar we went to after Nana's Kitchen that we were in for the majority of the night, aka the pub on their campus, we were, like, the news had, had like, 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 do you hear me stuttering right now? I am so flabbergasted. There was a shootout, a shooting, a murder, something outside of the bar, literally a few nights before. And then what did we do after the, the night ended? We walked. We walked home. We walked back to the hotel through an industrial park. Like, I know I was born and raised in central Massachusetts, and now I live in the city. I'm familiar with its work. But, like, death. I was asking for death, okay? I was literally asking to be murdered leaving the bar and better yet you know what the fucking name of the bar used to be manch vegas what is it now the goat like who tom brady is that the goat is that who we're talking about the goat president trump donald trump not even president fuck that man fuck the cheeto L- like are we lit- who's the goat who's mariah carey shaquille o'neal mookie betts dr fauci sebastian the crab like who the fuck is the goat regardless It was a great weekend, beautiful campus, beautiful space, beautiful people, loved being there, never want to go back to New Hampshire again. I don't know why I keep going to New Hampshire. Like, next time work sends me on a conference trip to New Hampshire, I'm not going. I'm not going. Next time someone says go to New Hampshire, I'm not going. I don't care how tax-free. I'll pay the $18 of tax. I'm not going. I'm literally not going. When I say Nana's Kitchen, too, I want to bring it back for a second here to Nana's Kitchen. I don't know what it was called. I think it was just called The Pub. But, like, you know those drop ceilings as I sit here in my apartment with the drop ceilings and make fun of them? You know how, like, the, this pub had drop ceilings, a fireplace, a pool table, um, a bathroom? Like, I don't even fucking remember. And then, like, some old old man came in and put his card down and, like, opened the bar, and apparently it's the president. But, like, let me tell you right now, there were monks. Like, like, monks. Not like monk, like the guy who like has OCD, like monks as in like praise Allah, Jesus Christ himself, like live and breathe that college, die on that campus and get buried there. The urge to go over and be like gay rights and see what they say, like they were drinking out of coffee cups, but you know there was brandy in those coffee cups. I just, I'm very overstimulated from, from New Hampshire, um, I really just think we should exonerate New Hampshire and just put it on its own continent so that there's, instead of seven continents, there's eight, okay? And one of them 
is New Hampshire. For our pop culture update this week, I did just kind of want to go into a little bit about what's going on in the country with the LGBTQ attacks and the human rights campaign. For a lot of you, you may have seen on Instagram this week or on Facebook, Twitter, any form of social media, the human rights campaign declared a state of emergency warning for the first time in its nearly four decade history. They did release a guidebook that I will be linking to this episode on uh, points to laws that are deemed discriminatory in each state along with a know your rights information and resources to help people relocate to states with stronger LGBTQ plus protections out there. Um, Sounding the alarm about the current political climate, this nation and the nation that we are currently a part of, the largest organization devoted to the rights of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer Americans, said that travel advisories aren't enough to help people who are already living in states where lawmakers have targeted LGBTQ rights. The HRC president, Kelly Robinson, said in an interview with the Associated Press, we need champions right now. President Joe Biden and other LGBTQ plus rights supporters with decision-making authorities need to be more than just allies because the declaration is a call to action for, quote, people in power at every level of government and the business community, she said, urging them to fight for LGBTQ rights with the same fever and same energy as they fought for abortion rights since the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade last summer. Now, I'm going to continue to read this PBS.org article because I, it's hard to talk about without the right information, and so I want to get everything out there that I can for you to understand a little bit more about why we have called a national emergency and a, a, an emergency for the state about what's going on. When Dobbs fell, you saw a federal response to deal with the abortion crisis that we're in, Robinson said. We are in a crisis of even greater scale to the health and well-being of the LGBTQ plus community, and we need that same sort of response. Just a few days into Pride Month, the campaign said it's taking action in response to an unprecedented and dangerous spike in discriminatory legislation sweeping state houses this year, with more than 525 anti-LGBTQ plus bills introduced and more than 70 signed into law so far in 2023, more than double last year's numbers. In a report released Tuesday, it said the new laws are a result of coordinated Republican efforts supported by well-funded extremist groups. A recent Associated Press analysis found that many bills seeking to ban or restrict gender-affirming health care for transgender youth, who have been the primary targets of state legislation this year, sprang not from grassroots or constituent demand, but from the pens of a powerful conservative interest group. The HRC guidebook, meanwhile, provides information about filing complaints for civil rights violations and points to resources for financing moves and finding employment, particularly in the 17 states with a trifecta of Democratic leadership in both legislative chambers and the governor's office. It also offers tips on how to engage in local advocacy and how to navigate tough conversations about LGBTQ plus policies with friends and family. Robinson said, the amount of calls I get every day from parents asking how they can move to another state because they'd rather mourn their home than their child is real. This is a different level of urgency and demand a different level of response. The emergency declaration is the first in 43-year history of the HRC, which encompasses a foundation focusing on research, advocacy and education, national and state lobbying campaigns, and a political action committee that supports and opposes candidates for office. 
It comes as Republican-dominated legislators around the country have restricted various aspects of transgender existence, from pronoun usage and bathroom access to medical care and more. Among the latest, one of a series of bills that could receive final passage as soon as Tuesday in Louisiana would broadly ban K-12 public school employees from discussing sexual orientation or gender identity in the classroom. This legislation is similar to the Florida law critics calling Don't Say Gay. One of the things that I even noticed was the fact that somebody tweeted and said, I don't have time to teach your kid to be gay. I'm trying to teach them how to do math because we lost so much time over the pandemic. Why is the problem right now being gay? Why is the problem right now their their sexual identity? Thinking that it comes from the school. Yet we're sitting over here showing films like Mrs. Doubtfire as many LGBTQ plus Americans are celebrating their identities this month, against the backdrop of a dizzying array of new restrictions, some trans people and their families are scrambling to flee their home states. Others have suddenly found themselves without access to medical care, many credit as life-saving, and are turning to often dangerous, do-it-yourself, hormone treatments to avoid involuntary reversing their physical transitions. And as Pride Month festivities kick off this week, last week, and the following weeks to come, Organizers are beefing up security amid threatened protests by some extremist groups. A mass shooting last fall inside a gay club in Colorado Springs left many LGBTQ plus community members feeling especially vulnerable. And in case that wasn't enough, a survey was done by the Department of Health saying that 41% of surveyed LGBTQ plus youth considered suicide in the past year. And if you're sitting here and you live in Boston like us and you're saying it doesn't happen here, it's it's... One, you're wrong. We are racist and hateful. But two, an article came out from NBC10 Boston saying that the DA denounces dangerous and hurtful anti-gay graffiti that was sprayed on a Jamaica Plain church. Because according to the Boston Globe, the steeple area of the First Baptist Church on Center Street was spray painted with anti-gay slurs and the phrase, God does not love you, sometime between 2 and 7 a.m. on Thursday. Because the church prides itself on being inclusive and welcoming the LGBTQ plus community. The LGBTQ plus population is in danger now more than ever. Our rights are in danger. We're trying to be erased. We're trying to be told that we don't deserve the same rights as a man and a woman in the country that we live in. Because if you sit here and you watch any documentary or you even watch the news, read an article, or even are clicking on your phone social media, you will know that LGBTQ plus individuals now more than ever need support. We need help. We need love, light, and even more so, we need your voices. Now's the time to be an ally. And I'm not just talking about being a silent ally. I'm talking about posting. I'm talking about signing things. I'm talking about lobbying and protesting and speaking up. Enough is enough. It's now not only just, Oh, well, the gays can't get married. That was bad. Now it's we're trying to erase anybody with an identity other than heterosexuality, male or female. And that's not okay. So if you are sitting here listening to this podcast, you have a voice. If you're sitting here and sharing, you have a voice. This podcast would be illegal in Florida, in Texas, in Tennessee. People listening to it there would be at risk of listening. That's not okay. That is not okay. Do something. Speak up. Use your voice. And educate yourself.
Today's episode is all about friendships in your 20s. I am a 26-year-old man. Obviously, we've been through this before. Just came off mommy and daddy's health insurance. My checks be, do be looking a little slimmer. And I'm not really here for it. Okay? So, if daddy Joe Biden wants to change anything about health care, it would be if my parents will allow me to stay on their health care, I will gladly stay on it. Okay? I will, I will no questions asked, stay on their health care until I'm no longer able to. But... Like I said, today is all about how to make friends in your 20s, and I think it's important that we kind of talk about the fact that when we're in school, it is relatively easy, but what do we do outside of school, right? And so school is this great maze that most of us have to navigate at some point in life, and it's a wonderful learning environment, not only academically, but socially as well. We often take for granted how easy it can be to find our people when we're really all just being generally brought together under one roof without any hesitation, without any guidance. It's just kind of one of those like experiences that you're given. I remember uh, in college, we had uh, the gas explosions happened. And so there was no power for like two weeks. And it was fun at first for like the first 12 hours. I, I don't say fun at the expense of the people who were affected so greatly by the gas explosions. But I mean, it was fun as a college student with no responsibilities. It was so much fun because there was no power. Everybody was drinking. Everybody was hanging out, having a good time. And then we all had to go home. They were like, you can't stay here because there's no heat. And we were like, wait, what? So we all had to leave. And we often think about how in that circumstance, we take for granted the fact that we are given so much of an ability to bond, connect, learn indirectly and directly with other people. And so for many people in their 20s, when we complain about how we don't know how to make friends or even that we feel abandoned by our old friends, when I was like looking up some stuff to talk about for this week, there was a study that was done at Cornell that found that we have fewer real friends, the kind who would help us out in tough times, listen sympathetically no matter what, lend us money or give us a place to stay if we needed it or keep a secret if we shared one. So then the bigger and most large question is, how do you get out into the world and make new friends in your 20s and even more so beyond that? I think the first thing that I can say is do what you love and others will find you. That's step number one. We think about it so often that we get told to just be yourself, figure it out, be yourself and, and everyone will love you. And there's a reason for that, because if you go into a situation just being yourself, you have a tendency to draw other people to you who are just like you. If you're basic or extra or weird or just plain ordinary, let that show because you are not alone in this world. There are other people out there. They're just waiting to find somebody like them. And so I know that excuse or that it, I don't want to use the word excuse because it sounds it has such a negative connotation to it. But that description of somebody who's introverted, being introverted is perfectly fine. There's somebody else out there that's just like you. And when I say somebody, I don't mean just one singular person. We're all made differently and even more so unique. And we're not meant to dim or or change the way that we were born and raised or, or hide the way that we were brought into this world because you just have to enjoy your life, live it to the fullest and let your energy and your light draw the people like you to a flame. I mean, the scenario is kind of like, you know how when you're sitting outside on the back porch and you have the light on and so all the moths are there, like be the light and let the moths come to you. If you're my friend, you are a moth and I am the flame. Just, just know that. Okay. 
my second piece of advice is getting comfortable being alone. This is something that I still struggle with, and I don't think I'll ever be comfortable with, but, and it can sound contradictory to making friends, but it is important to be comfortable with who you are, because being alone with who you are is important. Because if you don't love being with yourself, it makes it harder to draw other people to you. I've also found, I went through a phase, like, right before I started dating my boyfriend, two years ago, where going out solo, or alone, or with, like, people that I don't really know, leads to these big, grand adventures. Putting yourself out there kind of makes it so much easier without actually putting in the effort, because you're doing it for yourself. And so... When we move through our experiences or the world in packs, we also have to kind of separate sometimes to figure out what new is out there for us. Two summers, three summers ago, the COVID summer, like the first COVID summer, we were all hunkered down in the Cape, living life, pretending COVID wasn't real. And I, shout out neighbor, Rachel, hey girl, hey. Rachel and I hadn't talked for years we grew up together when we were little kids but then like just never talked again and our houses literally touch each other and there was one night that one of my friends mary grace was outside cooking she was making some some wet dogs because it was raining we were raw dogging the shit out of the hot dogs and she has a very boisterous personality and the neighbors at rachel's house started talking to mary outside and then we all started hanging out and now rachel and i are friends again like that's not something that I would have done on my own. That's not something that I would have felt comfortable doing because you think that there's a reason that your friendships kind of dismantle or fall apart or a, a wrench gets thrown into it. And when in reality, it's just age. Things just happen. And so how does that tie into getting comfortable with being alone? I think it has to do with the fact that you never know unless you know yourself. You know what you're comfortable with. You know what you're uncomfortable with. And I think that plays a huge factor in understanding who you are as a person. My next one would probably be, and I'm, I'm a huge proponent for work-life balance. However, attending a conference or a music festival or a concert or something of that nature are great ways to create memories and experiences with not only new but old friends as well. Every conference that I've ever attended when it comes to work, I've met somebody with new energy, new knowledge, new experiences, to the point where we create and foster this relationship that we wouldn't have had if I hadn't attended that conference. And yeah, it's work-related, but then outside of work, you don't always talk about work. I, I feel as though I can sit here and say that every single time I've left a conference, I can tell you about somebody that I met and somebody that I'm friends with now. Because doing things solo can be intimidating at times, but it's always worth trying. Because then it leads into that next understanding of getting out of your comfort zone. Do something that you've never done before. Because doing something that you would never admit out loud you are interested in doing also puts that idea out there that you can do it. You want to do it. What's stopping you from doing it? Do the things that make you scared or make you uncomfortable because it takes some iteration to create these pearls. And you'll never grow if you don't stretch, if you don't go out there and try something different. Do something transformative. Recently, a friend decided to celebrate her birthday by giving her friends a gift or an experience. I wasn't one of those bitches, okay? I didn't get no gift. I didn't get no experience. On the episode of Real Housewives, I just watched... Was it Real Housewives? Nope. Summer House Martha's Vineyard. 
on one of the episodes, they were like, oh, here's a gift. Everybody gets a brand new watch. And of course, they put the price up on there and the watch was like $800. And then the bride and groom's gift was like $1,200 each. I'm like, okay, where are my friends like that? Figure it out, okay? But doing these experiences and doing something that transforms your weekend of camaraderie and growth and connectedness, like create those experiences, build those meaningful connections and create your own space to meet new people. Because remember, as you seek out new friends, that our village does not come to us when we are in a state of desperation because being overly needy will draw the wrong people to you at the wrong time. I, I think this is the biggest thing that I want to address. It's that you need to lead with your light. When you lead with light and understanding and and who you are internally on the in the inside and you let it show on the out, others will be attracted to the shine that you're giving. When you become something that you're not, that's when you attract the wrong people. That's when they say, oh, you know, I don't think our friendships are genuine. And in college, friendships come so naturally because you're all in the same boat. You're all away from home. You all move somewhere that you're not familiar with necessarily. And you're all now in a space that is different from where you were born and raised. Even if you were born and raised in suburbia and your college is in suburbia, it's a different type of vibe. Even if you go to a college that's right down the street from your house, it's a completely different experience with completely different people from all walks of life. And so it's hard to understand where to go from here when, when that's not given to you. And we have such a distinction between you're at work, don't be friends with your colleagues, and that's my philosophy, right? But that also doesn't mean that people don't walk into your life and that those people aren't actually going to be your friends. I think from my own personal experience too, after I graduated from undergrad, I went immediately into grad school. And I don't know the exact reason I did that, but I, I can pinpoint one thing, and I think it was fear. Fear of what was to come next, where I was going, what I wanted to do, and the only thing that I had known was college. During my first year of college, that's when I came out. I've talked about that before, and, and because of that, college had become a safe space for me. It wasn't that going home wasn't safe, because it was, but I built and fostered a community that the people that I was friends with, the people that I knew, knew who I was for the authentic, genuine person that I was. Rather than now when I went home to my, my community at where I was born and raised, I now had to go through the whole process again of having them understand the person that I was, was also the person that I've always been. However, there's slightly different information that I now had to put out there. So after finishing you know, my undergrad and my graduate degree and, and starting my first big job, my first job that was outside of college was during the pandemic, this year had been a strange you know, undertaking when it came to making friendships because we were all faced with new challenges and maintaining relationships and also understanding what that meant during a year plus of not being able to make new friendships because of the fact that we were stuck in our in our homes, in our, in our workplaces, and in ways that we couldn't go out and make friends by standing in a bar or things like that. But when it comes to friendships, it seems it's unusual to see changes as you begin to navigate within your adult life, even with the added pressures of what next. And so as you get older and enter your 20s, friendships will change. But I think it also stems from the fact that our priorities are also changing, which means that the people around us are also going to change. 
for example, I've noticed a few changes in my friendships as I left school, especially throughout the pandemic. But with this idea of smaller groups and smaller hangouts, you have to know that things will change and priorities will also change. And so to understand how friendship changes and grows as you reach your 20s, speaking from experience, for myself, friendships have changed an awful lot as I've gotten older. I used to think that I was fairly dependent on larger groups of people because my personality is large. I like to think that I'm putting on a show at all times, but I hate being the center of attention. Tell me how that makes sense. I don't really understand. But however, I can look back and know that a big group of friends was also just not for me either. Someone with similar interests is important to me, but also somebody who understands the importance of life and how difficult life can be is also important. I lost a lot of friends who didn't necessarily understand that before. I don't think as well that there are people from when you leave school or leave a job that you think you'll stay in touch with, but it's definitely easier said than done. And we all have the best intentions of staying friends with people and keeping them a part of life, but it gets busy and it can get in the way sometimes. I don't have the answers on how to make friends in your 20s. That's not the point of this. But I think we need to talk about the way that friendships change in our mid and late 20s and why it's okay that friendships are changing. Because in your early 20s, remember, we were still in college and even more so, we were out every Friday night, themed parties, drink without the fear of hangovers, and we never ever shied away from loud dance clubs with neon everything everywhere all at once. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie. I think back to fresh out of college, fresh off the Pandorini, we would still go out every weekend, Friday, Saturday, sometimes Sunday, sometimes Thursday. But that enthusiasm for going out was so quickly disappearing. And 68% of those nights, I was waiting for somebody to say they were tired and they wanted to go home. I still do that. Every single time we're out, I'm like, can somebody else please say they want to go home? I just paid $10 to get in here and I'm afraid my students are going to walk up to me. Because now I avoid these clubs like the plague because Wine hits different, bottles of wine hit different, beers hit different, ciders hit different, it all hits my stomach, it makes my ass fat, it makes my stomach fat, I need lipo-fucking suction like Ramona Damsinger. One of the things that I don't do is I don't view the lack of going out, the lack of drinking, the lack of partying as a sad decline of fun me or fun us, fun sh friendships. I don't think my best days are behind me. It's just a change, and that's all. Because my friends and I are not better people now than we were at 22. Wiser, absolutely. But we're less likely to take tequila shots after 11 p.m. Because yes, will I still take the shots? Not tequila. Vodka all the way. But we're no better. We're not superior or more respectable than our younger counterparts and our younger friendships. We're just at a different point in life. And I'm... What's hard, too, is that it sounds like I'm trying to sit here and say, wish away the, the youngest years of your life. Wish them away. Get rid of them. Bye, bye, bye. Like, no, absolutely not. I still love to go out sometimes. I still love to drink until two o'clock in the morning. I, it's just it's not the consistency anymore. It feels like in today's society, you have to choose one or the other. Either you're supposed to be longing for those young parties and and staying up until 5 a.m. and having so much fun all the time. Go, go, go. Wipe your bank account out. Or we're supposed to look down on that foolishness and feel smug about how much more superior we are as we approach our later years in life. I'm making it sound like we die at the age of 32. We don't. 
nonetheless. It's all this just it's all just this neutral passage of time and and you can either let yourself be tricked into putting a negative spin on it or you can simply enjoy where you are now and how your friendships have changed. And all the reasons why it's okay that our friendships have changed without needing to feel embarrassed or ashamed or mournful about the way that these friendships used to be. It's just change and change is okay. It's even great sometimes because it shows us new friendships, it shows us new ideas, new lifestyles, new missions, it shows us new everything. And a lot of times that's necessary to grow and improve because it includes our friendships. So I'm going to give you four ways friendships change in your mid-20s and all the reasons why that's okay. Again, please know I'm no expert. I'm just a homosexual. I am depressed and anxious, but I'm no expert. I do have friends, though. So, number one. You and your friends will see each other a lot less, and it is no one's fault. Now, a flaky friend is a different issue for another day, but the usual case when it comes to friendships in your late 20s is that you will all start seeing each other a lot less, and no one is to blame for it. The honest truth is this just that it gets difficult juggling 18 different balls in the air at one time, and it's really hard to do your job, sleep, build relationships, hang out with other people, eat, drink, sleep, whatever, and have enough time for yourself for 45 minutes a day. And that's okay. You'll see people less. It's frustrating, but it's normal, and that's okay. For example, when I'm making plans with friends, and these are the dependable, responsive, and, you know, present friends, it takes anywhere from... <laughs> three to 111 text messages or a FaceTime call that nobody wants to pick up to make a place, to make a time, to figure it out. Don't even get me started on how long it takes to pick the spot to hang out at. This happens with me and my boyfriend now. I'm like, where do you want to go to dinner? Where do you want to go? I don't care. Where do you want to go? What do you want to have for dinner? Well, I don't care. What do you want? Well, not this. Where do you want to go? Like, okay, let's just figure it out. Everyone's busy. We're all juggling not only just jobs at this point, but careers. Some of us are trying to start families. Some of us are in school or going back to school. Some of us work Monday through Friday, but it gets complicated when you try to involve your significant other in plans because your significant other is from, you know, who does a job that only works Tuesdays through Sundays. How do we balance that? And in order for you and your best friend and your two significant others to have dinner together, you have to book it six weeks to six months in advance that obviously is not ideal, but it happens. Everyone's busy. Everyone deals with this. You're going to see less of your friends, and that's okay. It's a bummer, but it's not bad, and it's not sad. It doesn't mean our friendships are falling apart. It just means that we have to work a little harder to see the people that matter, such as life. My second point is you'll have less friends, and that doesn't mean that you're boring, unloved, or a bad friend. It just means you're in your 20s. And I don't think we talk about this enough, and we don't say it loud enough either. So let me say it a little louder. You have less friends as you get older. This is not a bad thing, and this is not a reflection of you as a person. It's just what happens when you no longer live in a dorm with 300 other people your age, and your full-time focus is no longer just learning stuff. And even in those first few years after college, having a lot of friends was way simpler than it is now. Usually, you lived with one or two of your friends. I mean, for example, I still live with one of my friends from college. We're best friends, whatever, whatever. But 
it's different. It's it's very different because we have friends that are together that we consider our circle, but then we have friends that we consider outside of our circles. And how do we make that work? In our 20s, things keep endlessly piling on. Again, jobs, significant others, family commitments, people are having babies, responsibilities suddenly start multiplying faster than a piece of treasure that gets knocked over. That joke's not going to land at all. I, I, I wrote it down and I was like, that's a really funny joke. That's not a funny fucking joke. I'm trying too hard. It's just simply impossible, okay, to have the same number of friends at 26 or 28 as you had at 20, 21, 22. So stop feeling like there's something wrong with you. You're very on brand for your age. I mean, I, again, everything that I'm saying, I have to tell myself constantly because I'm over here like, no one likes me. Everybody hates me. And you know what? Quite honestly, if you want to keep my name in your mouth, that's great. It means I'm getting more views, more listens, more likes, more air time. That's fine. I'll share your shit. And I'll talk shit all fucking day long. Because you know what? Like I always say, I will end you with my words and never with my fists. What does that mean right now? I have no idea. I just thought I would let you all know. My third point is you'll want and need different things from your friendships than you did in your early 20s. And again, it doesn't mean that the friendships in your early 20s were meaningless or inappropriate or shallow. Some of those friendships are still with the same people now. But those friendships have just grown and changed along with the two of you. Each year, you grow and you change. Things get harder and more wonderful at the same time. One of my absolute best friends on the planet lives all the way out in California. I barely see her, but I still know that she's there. I know that we're able to have conversations, and I can call her at any minute, and she'll drop everything and have a conversation, even if the time difference is three hours. But our friendship is very different than it was when we lived literally next door to each other. It requires a lot more attention and energy and detail, but our hearts just have a different makeup right now. Our conversations with our friends will become more honest and more vulnerable. People will start talking about engagements and babies and families and, and traveling the world and getting new jobs and careers and, and starting a business and things like that. And we just have to make more complicated decisions. We think less about those first jobs and more about our long-term careers and in life partners. And it means that the things we need from our friends now are different than the things we need at 22. They're not more honorable wants and needs, but more impressive wants and needs. They're just different and more multifaceted. I got a Snapchat memory today from one of my friends that was five years old. She's not five. It was a five-year-old Snapchat. So that was, I'm 26. So I was 21. I was fucking depressed. It was the summer going into grad school. And I looked at it and I was just like, I felt like I had no friends. Everybody had their lives figured out is what it felt like. And and it was hard to just keep reminding myself that one, it's okay to be alone, but two, everybody is on a different life path. Everybody is on a different wavelength, plan, function, and that's okay. We need to stop comparing ourselves to other people. My final one, your friendships will require more out of you, but you'll get so much more out of them too. You'll need a lot more from your friends as you progress. Advice about life, alternating decisions, support during some losses, love and pain, and it works both ways. Your friendships will require a lot more. You might have to be honest when it's uncomfortable, awkward conversations, crying on shoulders, blah, 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 blah. You might even have to deal with a friend's husband or wife who's kind and a good person, but not your cup of tea. Trust me, I've experienced plenty. And you might also have to comfort a friend who's struggling. Pregnancy loss, family loss, genuinely happy. But these life changes, new babies, job successes, failures, cross-country moves, loved ones lost, they're only going to continue to grow more frequent 
they're only going to continue to grow more frequent as we progress throughout time. And a lot gets taken out of you. It's a lot of emotional heaviness and a lot of weight and a lot of giving and giving and giving, but you're also going to be taking too. Because in these moments of connections, those moments of vulnerability, those instances where you feel closer to your friends than you ever have before, make every ounce of that emotional weight completely worth it. Because you'll be there for your friend during a really rough moment. And then one day you'll go through your own and wonder how you would have ever gotten through it without them. Because maybe that experience doesn't contain the lightness and the joy of being invincible during an unforgettable night of drinking and partying and going home with random people all night and not even caring if that person's going to root you your drink or drug you or kill you or whatever. Oh. It doesn't matter because these types of deep emotional closeness as we progress through our 20s is just as wonderful for their own reasons. Life is going to continue to come at us in ways that we, we don't really know how to handle, but these friendships that we have and the friendships that we're going to continue to make and grow with are friendships that we have to constantly work towards. We're going to have to work towards these struggles and hardships, and that's okay, but we have to remember that by working at friendships, it just means that we're also going to be getting something on the other end of that friendship too. Friendships aren't transactional. Friendships are supposed to be supportive, but it happens where sometimes one of my biggest pet peeves is when they say friendships and relationships are 50 50 it's a give and take all the time like no it's not there are going to be times that it's 30 60 there's nope 30 70 there's going to be times i'm not a math person i told you and if you're my math teacher from high school who literally almost failed me multiple times or my stats teacher in college i'm so sorry it just hasn't gotten any better i don't even know where i was going i lost my train of thought with the math oh let me drink some coffee these podcasts are hard, okay? They are fucking hard. They're hard. And I'm losing trains of thoughts. Trains of thoughts. On a side note, if you want to go off on a tangent for a second, Madison and I bought a brand new rug for outside. It looks gorgeous. Shout out Sophie for RugsUSA.com. This is not sponsored, however. RugsUSA.com. 70% off. Great quality. Lovely rugs. I might have to buy six more. Okay, however, this is a gay podcast, right? This is all about gay life, gay sex, gay culture, all of it. And so this wouldn't be any normal podcast if I didn't tie in some form of gay topic. I kind of want to talk a little bit about how to put yourself out there when being a part of the LGBTQ plus community and making friends too. We all know that dating is tough, but it's also nearly impossible when removed from the local queer scene. If you don't feel like you have a chosen family of queer friends, let alone know any other LGBTQ plus people in your town, then you might need to shift priorities. So before you attempt finding a partner, you should also try to become part of the local gay scene and do your best to meet other LGBTQ plus people. So I have a list of tips for more introverted folks to help put yourself out there. Number one, respond to invites. I'm not guilty of this. I respond to every invite possible because when I get invited places, I'm like, <laughs> people love me. People want me. But you can't complain about not having friends. Oh my God. If these little tiny fucking fruit fly thingies don't go away, like where is the crusty vagina? Like why, 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 why? Anytime someone invites you to something, you find an excuse to get yourself out of it. So, respond to invites and be open to experiences that are different than what you're familiar with or used to. And if you're my boyfriend listening to this and you're like, Brian, you literally hate new experiences, shut the fuck up. Number two, let your friends introduce you. And no, I don't mean let my friends be like, oh my god, have you met my gay best friend? Oh my god, I have a gay friend too, you would love it. Like, no, not like that. 
But your friends always have other friends and it's not the worst thing in the world to let them introduce you to someone else because it's likely you'll get along with them because you share mutual friends and you find you may find yourself with a group of close friends faster than you may know it. Number three, I would never, 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 but it's a great number. Three, join a group sports team meetup that is focused in LGBTQ plus individuals. So ideally, you'd like to join a group of queer people who share common interests. Maybe that's a sport, singing, playing video games, anything like that. For example, in Boston, we have like, what, Pride Sports, Stonewall Sports, Stonebridge, uh, Gay Kickball. Like, I don't even know. I call it gay sports. They're everywhere. We even have the Boston Gay Man's Choir, right? Is that what it's called? There are so many different things that you could do. Just Google it. Go kick the ball, you little queers. Just kick the ball, throw the ball, play with balls. Might as well go touch some balls and score some goals. And I don't mean come. My fourth and final piece of advice, and this doesn't just go for the gays, the theys, and everybody on and off the binary, but this goes for everybody, is go at least three times. The first time you actually go and meet up with people, it'll be painfully awkward and you might never want to see them again. Because it's incredibly scary to go to a new place where you don't know anyone and ask a bunch of strangers to be your friends, so give it time. If by the third time you still feel like you haven't met anyone you click with, then quit. Great. You tried it. You made it work. Try something new. But don't be discouraged after one mediocre experience. One time isn't going to give you the answer that you need. I found this on the web. Oh. Queer people describe their first time in a... I realized that it was the freedom looked like. Often your local gay bar or club is the only public place you can party as a queer. Okay, well thank you, Siri. With all that being said, friendships are hard, making friends are hard, keeping friends are hard, but it's important to know that over time, things are going to change. The same way that your skin changes, the same way that your body changes, friendships are going to change the same way because you are going to evolve as a person over time. Significant others are going to play a major factor in the way that somebody changes, in the way that their personality changes, and it's not alarming until it's like a completely different person. But remember that making friends, keeping friends, and navigating those friendships is okay. Because friendships in your 20s is about figuring out what kind of friends people are. Whether they're just friends you have fun with or the kind of friends you can call absolutely sobbing. Because learning to communicate better what we might need from one another is also important. And so for me, as an empathetic little mother hen, I used to give, give, give to my friends until I had nothing for myself. But in the past few years, few months, I've been able to put up these helpful boundaries, like delaying a supportive FaceTime if I feel too drained or asking for help when I may need it. I FaceTime instead of text because my texting is very much so like I talk. However, you'll never know over text if it's what they actually mean. Within your 20s, people are going to grow. People are going to outgrow. But they also tend to drift apart and shift priorities and major life changes. And so I want to end you with the understanding that like relationships, strong friendships require open communication and trust. I would like to leave you with a quote from Holden DeSalis that says, the path to whatever your notion of success is will likely not be linear. Don't take continuous growth and personal growth for granted. Just because you're older doesn't necessarily mean you're wiser. Your 20s will be full of failures. Let them happen and learn as you grow. As always, I want to thank you beyond words for taking the time to listen to today's episode of The Whole Whole with me, your host, Brian. 
please make sure you go ahead and follow us on Instagram at the whole whole pod. That is the W H O L E H O L E P O D. Share this podcast with your friends. We are on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, wherever you can find your podcast, you can find us there. Always looking for people to come on the podcast as well. So if you or somebody you know wants to talk gay, talk anything, please let them come and contact me. As always, thank you so much for being here, and I will see you next week. Good night, good luck, and go fucking sit on a dick. Bye!